This is an AMI podcast. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown. A bit of big federal news emerged late on Friday. The federal liberals announced first steps in creating a national pharmacare plan. Some reaction poured in over the weekend. Michelle McQuig is the weekend news editor at the Canadian Press. Hey, good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Dave. Michelle, a Friday news dump with good news. That 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 that's a new one for me. That's a rare one. Yeah, that does not happen every week <laughs> or year. Uh, yeah, matter. I mean, good, good. Maybe not good news, but at least news that could at least be perceived as somewhat positive. Uh, why why wait for a Friday press release on this? Exactly. Uh, let's say with news, a lot of people will find promising or encouraging yeah. because, like you said. This, we've been waiting for quite a while, a pharmacare deal with part of the conditional confidence and supply agreement that the NDP currently has with the Liberals. And it was almost in doubt for a bit when the NDP was saying that if this pharmacare deal does not come forward, we're done with that pact. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The government's on its own. But no, lo and behold, out comes an announcement on Friday, still very sparse on details. We'll get to that. But Basically, the, 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 the upshot is that there is an outline of the first phase of a single-payer pharmacare program that was probably going to be tabled in the House this coming week. Yeah, like you said, a bit sparse on details, but politicians are back in Ottawa, so legislation is going to move a little bit faster this time of year. That's it, right. It is a little narrow. Details are still sparse, but what are they planning to include in these first steps? The only things we know of for certain are that they're going to be including a lot of diabetes medications and equipment, specific ones we're not sure of at this moment, other than the fact that Ozempic, the the, the uh, trendy drug du jour, is probably not going to be covered for off-label purposes. But uh, diabetes drugs and the other big piece that we know is going to be covered is contraception. Again, I don't know the specifics on which methods and, and to what degree they'll be covered, but those are the two big pillars that we know of for the moment. And those have come from the NDP. The Liberals are declining to comment on any kind of particulars until we actually have the legislation in hand. Yeah. So beyond contraception and um, and diabetes, which are the two that the NDP disclosed, we don't know what else it's going to cover. But it's worth noting, too, that this is definitely going to be a phased approach. Well, we know that much already. Yeah. So whatever comes out this week uh, is, is are the building blocks and the foundation for this program. Over the weekend, Finance Minister Christian Freeland was in Poland and she did take a mm-hmm. little bit of time to comment on this saying that mm-hmm. whatever whatever is going to be rolled out here has already been priced into the budget this isn't necessarily right. going to be uh, extraordinary new spending it was already in their fiscal plans but what's some of the other reaction been well her I, I just want to follow up on hers a little tiny bit please, please go ahead. we can have a, a bit of a price tag based on her comments in that she was talking about how yes you, you're right this has been budgeted um the, the government's under a lot of pressure right now from the conservatives and others to tame the deficit and lower the debt so she's indicated that they're not keen to do that and the price tag they're looking at right not keen to to inflate it i, sh- I should qualify um but we're looking at a price tag of 800 million for this first phase uh, just to give everyone a bit of a scope. In terms of other reaction, uh, it's been interesting, actually, that there's, by and large, it's been pretty well received. Uh, the unions, of course, are, are delighted about this and, and are crediting the NDP with making it happen. Um, there's some positive and interesting reaction around what a single-payer system might do in terms of Canada's bargaining power to set drug prices with mm, manufacturers, mm. Uh, which I found it to be an interesting thread. Uh, but the flip side or argument of that that I've seen in, in a couple of corners is is that a single-payer system also might potentially compromise coverage for those who have private plans and have, have more extensive coverage at the moment. So uh, I, I, I don't see 
you know, that that argument may resonate more in some circles than others, but um, those are the sorts of reactions I've been seeing so far. Again, pretty broad strokes reactions due to broad strokes legislation at this stage that we don't have details on. But yeah. by and large, this is being pretty well received, I'd say. So that's why we'll skip over the notion of a timeline on a rollout because the legislation still needs to yeah. come to the table. It needs to be voted on. It needs to be uh, consulted on. Bippity-boppity-boo as uh, goes totally. in the world of, of federal politics. But you you mentioned about the supply and confidence agreement between the federals and the NDP. To mm-hmm. my mind, the liberals need to do anything they can to keep that supply and confidence, uh, that supply and confidence <laughs> deal in place, intact, uh, f- yes. intact for as, for as long as they humanly can, because polling data came out over the weekend that showed that they're down to about 24% national support with the conservatives at 41% national oh, yeah. support. So t- to me, they want to push off the possibility of an election for as long as possible. If not just for the pharmacare, for the national daycare plan, for the dental care plan, uh, for fear of uh, for fear of jinxing it, the national disability, disability benefit, credit. But, yeah, exactly, but, all these things. But but I do think about the way this fits into the bigger political picture. There's no way the federal liberals want to nuke this plan. I, like I would be stunned and shocked if it's not September 2025 till an actual election ends up taking place. Because neither of these parties want to give up where they land right now with just the surge that Pierre Polyev, the conservative leader, is having. I could not agree more. I I totally agree with you. It was very much in the Liberals' best interests to get this deal, uh, to to follow through on this crucial promise, especially with the threat of that confidence and supply agreement being yanked out from under them. Um, and and none of and they have not yet found an active counter narrative to Pierre Poilievre, or at least not one that sticks. And they're going to want to a be doing that and b raising a lot of money uh, yeah, <laughs> before they yeah. go back to the polls. And uh, we know that the Conservatives not only are out front in terms of opinion polling, but in terms of those fundraising dollars, they've done they've been really successful in raising money since Poilievre took the helm. So yeah, no party other than the Conservatives, I think, are keen to go to the polls anytime soon. And I'm with you, Dave. I think. The, the the confidence and supply agreement was always meant to forestall an election until 2025. There was no firm date set then, but I'm inclined to agree that they'd probably want to look at the later part of the year, if anything. Yeah, well, um, if, if, and, if only for a bit of symmetry, right? Because the, the 2021 yes. election was held in the fall, so it kind fall. of stands to yep. reason that there'd be a fall election in 2025. Yeah, that's and that's a four-year term. That's a pretty, you know, with a majority government, that's what we'd be looking at anyway. So it that would that would make sense. And now it looks like, barring further disruptions or, or major resistance to this plan, and I guess and it could too depend on what the legislation contains. If the NDP aren't happy with it, uh, then we could find ourselves back at square <laughs> no, one. But... No, no. Oh boy, I'll feel my. Oh, it'll just... it'll feel like twenty twenty one all over again. Yeah, election imminent. That that election was imminent <laughs> for thirteen months, according to the mass media. Um, okay. Hey, New Brunswick had it worse last year. Remember that they, oh, they were on tenterhooks for an election yeah, for yeah. months, and it cost the government two million up two million bucks just that, to speculate. Anyway. Well, speculation <laughs> costs money, Michelle. Uh, okay, Michelle, <laughs> let's. You should look. You should look at my sports wagering accounts. Okay, let's. Um, let's. Let's. Uh, jump into the daily poll here. You mentioned New Brunswick. Sure. Right yeah. after the break, uh, Shelley Petit of the New Brunswick Coalition of Persons with Disabilities is going to be talking about ways in which New Brunswick's disability support system can be reformed, particularly around points of contact and process mm. in the system. And I'm asking yes. a broader question this morning as part of the daily poll at Accessible Media 
on X at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook, how would you describe your experience experience accessing government programs? Uh, we can definitely uh, pick at some of the language that I've chosen here for options, but complicated, sure. reasonable, or simple? Honestly, for me, and I recognize, I, much like John and Laura in the last segment, I feel like I have some circumstances that qualify my answer a bit and that my case is is very straightforward. I have one easily identifiable disability um, that simplifies matters. So I would say reasonable. And a big part of that, I, I want to make a nonpartisan observation about my, prov my provincial government. In Ontario, I, I will say that it looks like anecdotally, but also from all the press releases that come through my inbox, the government in place right now has actually done quite a bit to bring services online and streamline the process. And I have benefited from that a couple of times. Now, the, the, what accessibility was not always a big factor in this. Uh, you might have heard from uh, community friend David Lepofsky, but some of the ways he had to nudge the government to make sure, for instance, that while they were... While you were able to renew your driver's license online, you could not do so for your health card, which didn't do us a lot of good. Um, but ultimately, those changes got made and the processes are a lot simpler and a lot easier. I've been able to renew a couple of cards and get things done in like minutes flat and get the card sent to me ahead of schedule. Uh, but there is one big exception in Ontario. Mm -hmm. And I think residents here would note that dealing with the assistive device program is um, is an experience. <laughs> Uh, so that's a that's a big one. That's a crucial program that provides some some increasingly limited financial aid for adaptive technology. Um, so you can imagine that interfacing with this program ideally should be pretty straightforward, but it truly is not. And uh, that so yeah. So provincially, that's my only real gripe. And federally, I've had an easy time of it too. Uh, filling out a I renewed my passport last year, and that was one of the easiest online applications I've ever done. Um, I, I, I haven't had a lot of difficulty, but I also don't have to access as much. I've never had to mm. deal with CERB. I haven't had to go on EI. Um, there's a number of programs I simply haven't had to access. And, and like John and Laura, disability tax credit just goes straight in because my case was pretty straightforward. Um, so for me, I, I'm very lucky to say very reasonable bordering on simple but I know it's not the case I, for all. I might need your guidance here because I was looking for that online renewal option as I was working through the Canada.ca website on the weekend, and I couldn't find it. So I, I might send it to you. I, I, here we go. All right, this is what's, <laughs> this is what we're doing here. Journalists working together, <laughs> networking on the live. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Working on live TV. Uh, Michelle, thank you for this. Have a lovely day. Talk to you on Friday. <laughs> you too, Dave. Take care. That's Michelle McQuig, weekend news editor at the Canadian Press. Coming up next, advocates are calling for New Brunswick to reform its disability support program. Shelly Petit will share some perspective. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI-audiobook review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI-audiobook review from your favorite podcast provider.